From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Friedrich talks to us about how he finds the right fit when finding coaches to join one of the largest Olympic strength staffs in the country. How a staff can start up a sports science program that is simple and cost effective and what the culture looks like when working with athletes at a highly academic school and how to navigate what's right for the athlete versus what's wanted by the strength coach. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Tyler Friedrich. He is currently the Director of Olympic Sports Performance at Stanford University. Prior to this, he was an Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at Arizona State University, and he's also had stops at the University of Dayton, LSU, and the USOC. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you very much. appreciate you having me. Looking forward to having some fun here. Absolutely. Could you tell me a little bit more about your role at Stanford? Yeah, so I'm, I'm the director of Olympic sports performance. So I oversee all the, the staff that manages all, all the training for every team, but football. Uh, we have 36 sports, so 35 of those sports will fall under my umbrella. Everything from basketball to fencing to sailing to volleyball. We, we basically, if it's out there, we're doing it. Um, we have a staff of nine um, which is a pretty big staff, probably one of the biggest Olympic staffs in the country. It kind of matches our our large number of sports as well. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, day to day is is, is kind of what you think it'd be. I think overseeing um, and managing those those nine Olympic sports performance. We also have a relatively um, high amount of, of technology and, and 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 integration technology integration. So um, part of my title is also director of applied sports science very long title. So there is, you know, I'm a one man show in that, you know, quote unquote department. But what that means basically is helping 
our staff, the strength staff with uh, run that technology, incorporate it, analyze data, things like that um, with a huge, huge emphasis on, on application. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically in a nutshell day to day what's going on. Definitely. And, and there's a, a lot to unpack here. So you, you had 36 sports and uh, you handle everything except for football. How, what do you, when you, and you got a, a big staff, which is I think a great thing to have when you hire a new assistant strength and conditioning coach, or if you have a GA or anybody else coming on your staff, how do you go about finding out if they can handle you have, you see, say fencing or, uh, yeah, like I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure there's not too many fit, former fencing athletes that became a strength coach. So how do you go about knowing if they can train some of the more different sports than what you traditionally see? Yeah, absolutely. When I look at resumes, when I'm screening resumes, um, what I look for are a few things. I look for number of sports worked with and the wider, the variety, I find that to be beneficial. So if you work with sports like swimming or rowing, kind of relatively unique sports in, in like aquatic sports are always kind of difficult and rowing is kind of a unique sport and how they train, um, you know, to soccer, to volleyball, things like that. So if you, if you work with multiple sports, both genders, I find that to be incredibly valuable. Um, that tells me that you've, you've, you've seen different methods of training. You've dealt with different types of coaches. Um, you've dealt with different types of injuries, different types of return to play protocols, things like that. And so that's probably the number one thing I look for to see if someone who I'm hiring can handle, you know, working with a traditional sport like a women's soccer, but also be have to handle a, a unique, very unique sport at, like synchronized swimming, you know? And so I, I think that's, that's number one. Um, number two, and, and maybe most importantly is, you know, and this gets, as we get into the phone interview side of things and the, and the interview side of things is, is I look for fit, you know, hopefully by screening the resumes, I'm, I'm weeding out, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like weeding out. I'm, I'm selecting people who I, who I think have the skill set or been exposed to a wide number of sports or injuries or whatever, or, you know, athletes, things like that, that will give them the skill set to be successful. But from then it's about all about fit. And to me, it needs to be a two-way fit. You know, we as a university need to be a great fit for you just as you need to be a great fit for us. And so I could love you, but if you're kind of so-so, it's probably not going to be a great relationship and vice versa. And so what I've had some success in uh, as of recent and and being director, and I think I've made one, one or so hires every year in the last three years is finding those individuals who come in and fit right away. And so when they are sitting in front of the synchronized swimming coach or sitting in front of, you know, the fencing coach, whatever it is, you know, the, the those relatively unique sports, um, you know, because the fit is so strong is they can establish a great relationship with those coaches, with those athletic trainers and, and with those athletes. And regardless if it's men's basketball or, or men's water polo, you know, it's important that we're giving our, our student athletes a high level of service, um, and not just like, oh, you're men's water polo, you know, so you're going to get kind of short end, short end of the stick. I don't believe in that. And so, um, you know, I, I do feel if you have someone who fits the system or fits us and we're going to fit for them, it's going to be ultimately very, very successful. Definitely. And where did that come from? Because I know you, you know, it's going right into you, you came into the director role and this was your first director of strength conditioning. Correct, yeah. So where along your path between uh, working as an assistant or even like in your graduate assistant or interning, did you figure out this is the type of head strength conditioning coach I want to be? Cause 
it's it's definitely something where you're an assistant, you're always thinking about it, but when you get there, it's a completely different animal from when you're actually the one calling the shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the, the truest statement I've ever heard. Um, you know, I, I think I've been really lucky the places that I've been to have had um managers or bosses or you know directors at those places that have have influenced me in, in very positive ways, but also show me some things that how I would do it differently. And so I think it's easy to have that mindset of, you know, if I, when I'm a director, I'm, I'm going to do it this way. But I think really, um, I think a lot of that focuses on like you disagree with what your director is doing or what your boss is doing and how you would do it different. But I do think there are some things that directors do that I, I've been lucky with my directors I've had in the past who have done things really, really well. And so not only am I, have I said to myself, hey, when, when, you know, I would do it differently, but also I would do it exactly like that. And I think when you start blending those two things together, the things that I felt really strongly about that would be positive for me when I was a director and how I would change things, and those things meld together. I think personally, it's created a really nice product. And I, you know, my goal is to to create an environment and my staff where everyone uh, feels valued. Everyone feels like they have a voice. Everyone feels like they have some autonomy in how they're training. And, and I feel like I've, I've kind of taken bits and pieces from everywhere I've worked, things that are good, things that are bad. That's kind of created this culture and this environment, um, that we have at Stanford. And I, I truly feel that we've developed that. And, um, it's a tribute to my staff, to be honest with you. I mean, they're the ones that every day have to foster that culture. I can talk about it. Um, you know, but if ultimately if, if there's not other people that, aren't bought in or don't care about it or aren't living that every day, then it's not going to be successful. So it's mainly a tribute to them to buy it into what I'm selling. No, I think that's great. And yeah, I've been able to talk to a few head strength and conditioning coaches on here. And I think this is the first time I've heard the contributing success factor was the staff, you know, like them maintaining that culture and helping, helping out. And I think that's actually some, good advice there. Now you also said you have, you know, a lot of technology. Is it something that you personally like are very passionate about, like, you know, this technology, or is it kind of like you guys are right in, in like Silicon Valley, like you're right there and you know, they, everything that it's like, that's that. So is it being in close proximity to that? Is it the fact that Stanford is kind of like a bedrock for that stuff or is it a little bit of, of both? Uh, I think it's all of the above. Like we're really lucky that w- the Stanford S is a very powerful brand. And so people want to get in with us. So we're lucky at times to get free trials of things and, and uh, you know, to p- people want to be in, people want, want to put our logo on their website or, 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 you know, have us be either test our product out or, you know, or be use cases or things like that. So that's, we, I, we've definitely taken that, taken advantage of that. Um, you know, but those only go so far at the end of the day, as a university, you have to invest or as a department, you have to invest in those things. And so personally, you know, I, I have found those, these items that we have force plates, GPS, most notably, those are the big, really expensive ones that we have. I have found those to be really beneficial for us as a staff and really beneficial for how we program and, and, um, you know, how we can be better for our athletes. Um, you know, I should put the caveat there that I don't think that technology, I don't live and die by the technology, like the GPS and the force plates. It's just more bits of information that factors into the whole equation. And, you know, so while I personally love this stuff, I feel like anywhere I, I would go next, or um, if, 
that would be an investment that I would also want to make, or I look for that place to have those things. But it's really, really important to me that to have those items because, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not assessing, you're assuming, right? I think that's the phrase. And so for for me, it's it's I assume a certain type of training, or I assume a certain type of practice results in an X outcome, but ultimately we don't know for sure. And so I think just getting a little bit more insight has been super, super beneficial. Um, and, you know, I, I think our staff has used this as a gateway to uh, maybe create a, a bigger seat, seat at the table with our head coaches and the sports we work with. Not all coaches are, are fully in or not a, all coaches are maybe half in, half out, which is fine. Um, but I think for us as strength coaches, it and I would say this in a young up and coming strength coach is, is it creates a little bit more value for you, for you, you know, even if you don't have to be standing on the table saying, see coach, this is how you should do it. It's the matter of if you have the information, the knowledge to contribute in a way that could help that team perform at a higher level, stay a little bit more healthy, you know, whatever the case may be like that brings value. Even if it's as simple as one thing gets changed one time in one season, you know, that's, that's the beginning. And then it can go to, you know, wherever it can go. If you're like, I'm fortunate here at Stanford with our volleyball team to basically every day be in this conversation with our coaches about our load numbers and about our force plate numbers and about training the next day and practice planning. And you get to a point where, you know, you can have a pretty big influence. Is it really good? I really like that phrase. If you're not assessing, you're assuming, but you also, like you said, you don't live or die by the technologies. It's information that that helps better, I guess, prepare your athletes for it. You know, if you were to have talked to another program that's looking to up their level in the sports science side of things, and like you said, you value the application of it. It's not just numbers for the sake of numbers, but how you can use it. What would you say is the I guess one piece of advice you'd say for the application of your sports science, if they were to start it up. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, so many programs or so many teams or institutions or whatever it is are doing nothing because there's obviously the cost is a huge barrier of entry. So my advice to a lot of people I talked to about this is just, just start somewhere with something. If it's an RPE scale, if it's, um, you know, that's probably the, where I would start, you know, or if it's a wellness survey, things that are free, things that obviously are not going to solve any and all problems, but you're doing more or you're thinking about things in a way that are already some schools just aren't because they put their hands up and said, well, it's too, too expensive to get GPS. So we're not even going to go there. Um, so that's usually where, where I, where I recommend to start is find the things that are free, find the things that um, you can implement easily and that it will be effective. So for me, that's, I think, RPE times duration to get to get a, a session RPE, session RPE or, a, or a load number. And I think of wellness survey. Both of those can be done on Google Sheets or Google Survey, I should say. And and you can create dashboards on Google Sheets and, or in Excel and, and send those stuff out. And that stuff is, of course, there's flaws. So these, these things are not perfect. None of it's perfect. Even even the, the Catapult GPS or the Force X Force Plates, these things are not perfect, right? Um, that's okay. That's what, that's why, that's why we can't live and die by the technology. That's why we are here to interpret, to make me, to make sense and then apply it appropriately. Um, my, my second piece of advice is, you know, change is hard for a lot of anyone, you know, but especially if you're, if you're a head coach for, for a team, you know, your livelihood is at stake if you are not performing at a high level. Right. So, you know, as a strength coach, I thought trainer who is implementing, let's just call it an RPE survey, not be frustrated when the head coach is, 
isn't listening to you or isn't taking your advice, you know, it, it's a long process. It's a, a lot of discussion. So, you know, finding, finding the low hanging fruit where you can make some changes. So maybe it's in your training plan for that day because you saw high loads from yesterday, or maybe, um, you know, just a quick little conversation to the coach about how, I don't know, you know, practice was pretty easy yesterday. Maybe, you know, should we do, maybe we should talk about conditioning at the end of practice today. Little things like that can just, are just slow steps, small wins to, that over time add up to, to big change. And so, um, you know, so I guess those would be my, my two big keys of advice. And I guess number three is, is continue on this frustration, uh, theme. Like don't get frustrated, um, with the work, you know, these things have some upfront work, um, don't be intimidated by the, the data, the download. Don't be intimidated by the exports. Don't be intimidated by that stuff is just, once it's done, it's done. Um, but to say, oh, well, wellness surveys, it was just was a lot of work to collect. It was a lot of work to analyze. It was a lot of work to figure it out. To me, it's just not a very good excuse to not uh, check on your, the wellness and well-being of your <laughs> athletes, you know? Um, so I guess those would be my three three pieces of, of advice on that. No, no, definitely. That's um, really good advice. You know, it's, you can start for free with stuff that are free and, and very effective and, you know, don't get frustrated. Like yeah. you said, it, it does, <laughs> it does take time. It's a lot of data entry and all that to start, but once you got all set, it, it's good. Now with such a large staff, so you, you told me how you, you, what you look for when you're trying to hire somebody. So with your current staff, you know, how do you, keep challenging them or, or what are some things you do for staff development? Cause that's a, that's a lot of full-time qualified coaches that you, know, you look up to you. So how do you go about challenging them or what do you look for in your staff development? Yeah, this is probably the area where I feel the most self-conscious is because I, I want to make sure that when my staff, anyone on my staff feels like they're being developed over time, I want to make sure my staff feels as if they're being challenged or in a, in a place where they're growing and not just staying stagnant. Um, and so I, I'm very self-conscious about if I'm doing enough or doing too much. I'm also someone who I don't want to impose, Hey, we're all doing this course. Hey, we're all getting this certification when someone's like, I'm not interested in that. So, you know, a moment of weakness here is uh, <laughs> I'm very self-conscious about this, but I, I think a lot of our staff development, you know, some of it is done formally in a, where we'll have staff meetings, which we typically in a normal year, which, you know, who knows when that will happen again, we, we try to meet once, once a month. And in those meetings, outside of just updates and, and things like that, is we try to have some sort of educational component. Some meetings, if it works out, some meetings it doesn't. But we've had um, individuals on, on staff present to us on topics. You know, my goal, you know, the last couple of years has been to get other members of the university outside of strength and conditioning to come in and talk to us. That hasn't happened, um, admittedly so. Um, a lot of our staff development, honestly, becomes in a very very informal fashion. We don't really have offices at Stanford. Like we have desks, but a lot of the office spaces are shared. So we have four people in one office, three people in another, and then we kind of have two desks just kind of in the weight room. So it just, we don't really have like individual offices. And I think that has been one of the best ways for us to learn from each other. These conversations are just happening so organically. Someone could just be asking about their GPS numbers, asking somebody else who's a little better with it. And you overhear, like I'm sitting at my desk, I hear it. Well, I haven't, I haven't input on whether they want me or not. I interject <laughs> or, you know, somebody else interjects on my conversations, which is great. We love that. And so 
the conversations just kind of swirl that way. And I think that's for us, that's been a huge unintended, but extremely amazing benefit to our setup is, is it's just very informal, but the conversations are always happening. And I think we've also created an environment where it's okay not to know something. It's okay for me. I'm the director. I have no problem going out there and being like, Hey, I don't know about this velocity based training method or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and reach out to some of my staff who may be in their first year full time. I may have just hired them, but I know either they're passionate about it or I know that, that they have some decent experience with it and to ask them, like there's no egos in our staff. And so, um, you know, not that's, that's where I feel we, we, we've gained a lot in terms of staff development beyond that. Like we, I encourage and I fully support anyone who wants to go and explore other certifications, explore other courses. Like none of that stuff is like, if you have a passion in something or if you are really interested in something, then go learn about it, bring it back to us, make us better. And I think we've had over the years, we've had a few people go and do this and, and learn different things and bring it back. And as again, very informally, but it's made us as a staff a lot better. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you look, you look back at three, three years ago to now and the floor has come up so much um, because now we all kind of have a pretty basic working knowledge of a lot of the stuff that we do. So it's been, it's been awesome. No, definitely. That's a, a, a lot of good advice. Like, you know, you look to each other and I think that's, it's good that you're willing to be like, Hey, I don't know about it, but you know, maybe Isaiah does or, or Tyler does. Let's go find out and let's help each other out. Yeah, we try to also, you know, when we travel with a lot of our sports or our, our you know, major sports, the soccer is volleyball, baseball, things like that. And I encourage people when you go places, just reach out, email, you know, the strength care for that sport there and, and just go either go lift or, or just go have a conversation. And so I think, you know, and I would recommend that for anybody, whether you're at a big school like Stanford or a small school like the University of Dayton, like there's there's always people you can talk to, you know, shoot an email, um, go visit things like that. I mean, it's, it, it takes work. Don't get me wrong. It takes time, but there's definitely, um, ways to, to learn and network and, 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 and get better. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by optimum nutrition athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with Owen to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements, and Owen continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products, or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact Owen's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at on underscore athletics underscore West or email rkravitz at glambia.com. No, that's, that's some great advice. And some of the best conversation I've had is either when I'm traveling or, you know, we're hosting somebody and, and a strength coach just comes in and wants to talk shop and 
I think it's, it's some really good advice. Now, you are you guys are very unique being a power five that actually has basketball rolled up in the in, in Olympic side of things. So you guys have quite the reach when it comes to that the basically, I mean, ninety percent of the athletes at Stanford are going to walk through your doors. What kind of culture do you look to establish, at least with the teams that you work with? Um, you know, if I were to, when COVID ends, you know, if I were to take a trip out to Palo Alto and, and, you know, come and watch one of your lifts, what kind of culture would I see with you and your athletes? Yeah. Stanford's such a unique place because of, of our student athletes. You know, we, I think generally speaking, we have maybe some more type A athletes than other universities would have. And, um, they're also insanely inquisitive and insanely intelligent. You know, some of our kids, the things that they're doing as sophomores and juniors in college are like, you know, world changing research as a sophomore mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, in the summer. Yeah. And you're like, man, I'm a strength coach. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think what that has created is an, is an, is an environment where um, you really can't, there's no fluff really, you know, like you, because the athletes either know better in terms of like the actual science. So if you're telling them that we're going to do something and you're wrong or you're making it up, like they'll, they'll, they'll know. Um, but also I just feel like it's, it's, that's, they don't, they don't, our athletes really respect you being genuine and really respect just you telling tell it to them how it is like, Hey, the reason why we're doing this is because of this. And when we do it, here's the outcome. And, and once, once they see the logic and the reasoning and the science, like they're all in, you know? And so I think, and that's what you see in our lifts as well. I think you see it pretty straightforward. It's, we're not, we're not really staff where we're, we're barking at them or we're, you know, it's, we're coaching, like we're coaching hard and, and we're holding a standard, but a lot of our athletes, a lot of our teams have created this, this culture of like a lot of um, autonomy within the sports as well. Like the, the, the athletes can come and get their workout cards and it theoretically take themselves to a workout and not have anyone say a word to them and they would do everything right or pretty close to right. And, you know, part of that I think is the standard Stanford student athlete is, is they, they're, they're do-gooders and they want to do things the right way all the time. And so that helps. Like we don't have, we don't have, you know, like a lot of schools have just some of the athletes are just difficult, right. They're trying to cut corners. We just, we just don't really have that. Like it happens. Don't get me wrong, but we're not perfect, but it's just different other places I've been. It's just the majority of the student athletes want to do things the right way. And so I think we we're fostering that we're pushing that we want them to be autonomous. We want them to be able to coach each other. Um, you know, we're still maintaining a standard. I think we're still coaching hard. I think we're still um, pushing and, and, and we're training hard, you know, our, our kids come in and, and we get after it. Like we, we, we push pretty hard. We do all the movements, all the variations. Um, you know, I, I personally, utilize Olympic lifts, Olympic movements, Olympic variations more than other people on staff, but everyone here squats, everyone here, you know, dumps some, does some sort of explosive movement, things like that. And so I think you would see like, wow, these people are, these kids are training. This, this staff has their kids getting after it, working hard. Um, but it's also very focused, very directive. And it's not necessarily this like upbeat, not actually upbeat is the wrong word. It's not a very like ruckus environment like the music's up but it's not it's not crazy it's not chaotic it's very organized and very structured no definitely i'd I'd imagine it would look like that considering the the level of intelligence and like you said you know as as a sophomore junior they're you know potentially working on some world changing things so it's that's that's a that's about what i would expect but i wanted to make sure but you know so you you run 
women's volleyball, beach volleyball, women's rowing, and men's gymnastics, correct? Yep. yep. And and I know rowing teams are massive. They're huge. Mm-hmm. And I imagine everybody, I mean, even with volleyball and, and gymnastics, that's a lot of athletes, especially even for a director I've seen, you know, uh, that's a lot of athletes to, you know, manage. How do you go about, I wouldn't say like programming per se, exactly what you do, but how do you manage that kind of workload with that many different sports? Yeah. Sometimes it feels insurmountable (laughs) to be honest with you. You know, I think, um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. A few different ways, you know, I think, uh, I mean, let's go through team by team kind of like our women's volleyball team is probably the one that utilizes me the most, or I'm probably the most involved. I'll travel with them. Um, and so I, that probably, if you were to look at holistic programming time, that's probably the bigger chunk of my time. Um, you know, so with them, it's, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that I probably spend the most time there, spend the most time there as well, you know, in terms of, so we're looking at GPS numbers, we're looking at force plate output, we're looking at practice loads from the day before, what's the plan for today. And so a lot of that program has kind of always been evaluated day by day. Beach volleyball is probably right there with them. Very close second. Cause we, we have some crossover players, not many. Um, so I think that there's, and they train kind of similarly to the indoor team in terms of their practice schedule and in-season training and things like that. And so, you know, those two programs are vastly different, have a lot of similarities. You know, there's a lot, obviously with both sports being volleyball, there's a lot of jumping, jump mechanics, arm care, you know, things like that. So I think that helps, you know, there are times when copy paste is the wrong phrasing, but there's some, there's some like definite similarities that are easy to translate, especially in, you know, when they're both in off seasons, I kind of can use an off season model and the kind of, okay, well, here's an indoor day to successful. So I know it'll work with beach in terms of shoulder injuries or shoulder pain, things like that. So you can kind of take bits and pieces and and, and mix and match, you know, with rowing and men's gymnastics, you know, they, they don't utilize strength conditioning quite as much as the other two as, as beach and indoor, um, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's totally okay. The rowing team is big. I mean, I think there's 42, so small for a rowing team actually, to be honest with you, but 42 and six of them are coxswains. So, you know, they're two days a week. And so honestly, I think their programs, usually it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you can kind of map out. He, our coach is pretty good about his training plan week to week. So I can sit down in a couple of days and map out an entire quarter, an off season quarter, pretty much. And, and it won't change a whole lot as the season goes, as the off season goes on. Um, and men's gymnastics really only, only trains in the fall for six or seven weeks. And then in the spring for like four or five weeks. So that's, and a lot of their stuff they are, they're doing over at the gym. And so, you know, once you kind of put it all together and kind of mix and match, like there's time there really is. I mean, it's sometimes it kind of gets crunched up and, um, but you can, if you work, I try to work ahead personally and try to be on the front end. Like my periodization models are like in an off season, I'll try to map everything out, but knowing that I'll have to go back or in the moment and make changes on the fly, which is fine. Try to build those in as you go. Like, okay, if we need to change in week four to make it a deload week when really typically it wouldn't be, or I want to deload week five, you know, that's okay. You kind of build, 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 build in that flexibility. And that goes back to like the very beginning of our conversation, honestly, with terms of finding drink coaches who are a good fit. Um, you know, it's, it's understanding the demands at Stanford. Sometimes like when it comes to midterm time or finals time, like, sometimes you just can't train the way you want, you know, because the, the, the athletes are smoked. I mean, they, they're pulling all nighters multiple nights in a row. And, and, and so I think you find someone who understands that who comes in and, and, and leans into that and embraces that. I think it makes for that time management, that periodization model 
it makes it more flexible. And I think that's, that's generally how I try to operate. And I think it's what allows me to have the, the, the time and the ability to get it all done. It's good to see that, you know, even you understand like, Hey, like I've, I've been a part of an academic school before an engineering school. And, and I know exactly what it's like when it comes down to finals, like, you know, they're getting sick cause they're so stressed out and like the level of everything going on. So it's just like, I, I get it. You know, yeah. it's, it's good to know, be like, Hey, like, it's not really that important if we can keep you healthy and prevent you from getting injured cause you're so stressed out. I think, I think one thing I realized, cause I, I, I used to work football when I was at Arizona state, I worked football there. And when I came to Stanford and got out of football, I think one thing I realized is that if a couple of strength sessions don't go the way that you want them to, um, or you have to modify or cancel or which I'm not really a fan of, but if something happens, it's okay, man. Like if it's one or two sessions, um, weeks are a different story. If, if a whole week gets canceled or two weeks, or you only get one session a week for four weeks, that's a different story. But if one or two sessions have to be modified or changed because a kid is sick or they have an exam or they're stressed or whatever it is, like it's not the end of the world. And that's something that once I realized that, like I, my life got a lot easier to be honest with you. And because it, it's, it's the truth, you know, it's the truth. And, and, you know, there are some days you want to have canceled, like a squat day getting canceled or, or getting modified is is harder to accept than others, but because you know what's going to happen, they're going to be sore on the back end and things like that. But ultimately, it's finding that rhythm and finding how to how to you know navigate that the academic side. And that's any school. I just I mean, Stanford has high academics. Don't get me wrong, but every every college has midterms. Every college has finals. I assume I did. <laughs> so like you know you have to still have to navigate that either way. And so I think finding that, that balance of, okay, when can I push and when should I not? I think ultimately it's better for the athlete. And that's yeah, the most important. Absolutely. I think that that's the absolute, the biggest takeaway It's what's best for the athlete right now. You hit to, you're drawing from a lot of personal experience and, and it definitely shows like you've been around, you've, you've seen and you've been able to adjust throughout. So what's some advice you'd give to, a younger strength coach, let's say they're coming off of an internship or maybe a graduate assistantship and they're, they're in the grind of, of what we do to become the, a full-time professional. What's some advice you'd give to the, the younger strength coach? Uh, biggest piece, piece of advice that I wish I had had um, was a few, few things. I think number one is wherever you go, whether it be an, or whatever job you're in, whether it be an intern or a GA or full-time or a new school, um, lean in a little bit to that school, embrace what they got going on there. Um, especially in your first time, first little bit there, I, I think it's, uh, you know, that school has, has been there. Those coaches, those athletes have been there and you're brand new. Right. And so, um, leaning in a little bit, embracing the culture they have, they have set in, in, in fully understanding like what it, is going on there and what is happening and what has happened. Um, Cause I think that can give you great insight to making change, you know, moving forward. And, you know, I think that's something that I just didn't really, as a young train coach coming up, like I didn't really grasp that it was, it was, you know, here's how I do it. And here is, here's what I know. And so I want to show everyone what I know, or I want to show everybody that, you know, my way is the best way. And, and I think when you let your guard down a little bit and just kind of embrace it, it makes for a way better experience for everybody. And then you fully get the, con- uh, you know, the context of what's going on. And then I really think as, as personally, as a coach, like I got better when I kind of figured that out because you go somewhere and you realize, Oh, like I disagree with that way of programming, but 
I see the benefits of it. So maybe I can take those benefits and, and make it a part of what I do. And now I'm better because of that. Um, so I would say that's probably like my biggest piece of advice is, is just kind of submitting yourself to the, to, to the school at first and finding the moments where you can push and finding the moments where you can make change coming in day one and trying to be the rock star come in day one and trying to establish yourself. It, it's easier said than done. Now, I think in the football world, like if you're a director of football um, and you're, you know, you're coming with a head coach and things are brand new, that's probably a different story, but Olympic sports, you know, I think that um, it just isn't, it just isn't quite how it is. You know, I think number two is, is, you know, we as strength coaches are definitely, uh, subject matter experts when it comes to periodization models and training and things like that. Head coaches of sports are subject matters in those subject subject matter experts in those sports in that sport, right? So, at some point, those two worlds, periodization and training in the sport, come together, right? That's how it goes. We train we train the teams and, and they go and practice it and things like that. But at some point, like if a coach makes a call, whether it be a cancellation or a change in schedule, or or, the, or they have a, a gut feeling they need to go hard today or whatever it is, like that's their prerogative and they're the ones that understand the team, their team, and they're the ones that understand their sport the best. And so we should default to them. Um, it can be very frustrating for a strength coach because. Oh, they canceled my lift again. Oh, he went hard. He wasn't supposed to, or, Oh, she was, she's gone easy for a couple of days in a row. You know, it's messing everything up. Like we can get really worked up. And I feel like taking that step back and understanding, like ultimately, like they're the coach. We, they know their sport. They know, they know basketball or they know soccer way better than I do. Um, that's important. And then just like before, like finding that, that place. Okay. So where are the holes? Where can I insert myself where it's going to be successful? We can meld those two worlds together. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, that's probably the two biggest things for a young strength coach coming up. I mean, there's so much information out there, social media, and the, the knowledge is, is, is plentiful and which is awesome. But, you know, I, I've seen time and time again, some interns come in and, and sometimes they know everything already. And it's like, well, if you know anything, then why are you here? You know what I mean? And so I, I have a hard time dealing with that because it's, it's like, just, 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 just learn, submit yourself, learn, take the time. Um, even if you disagree with it, that's okay. Now, now you know what you disagree with. Now you know that you really don't like something. And so when you're full time or you're a director, like you won't do it this way, which is okay. Yep. I don't, I don't like romanticizing what we do. And it's, that's the, that's the key thing. It's yeah. <laughs> what we show on Instagram or our social media is definitely just a, a snapshot of what we're allowing you to see. But you like you said, you don't, you don't see that meeting with the head coach when they're just like, well, we're canceling today. And you know, you got that to realize, Hey, exactly. It's not all about your periodization. It's about what the coach is feeling at that time. So I think that that's great. Um, what what's some advice you'd give to the coach that finds himself at, or herself in, as a first time director? Because I know when once I became the head strength coach, I was, you know, when you become when you're not just a strength coach, you're an administrator, you're a leader. It's it's a whole different ball game that I didn't get as an assistant fully, or I didn't get as an intern because they don't teach you that stuff. Uh, what so what's some advice you'd have for the first time director? <laughs> What I was not prepared for, I knew, but I wasn't prepared for was, you know, you're, you become director and now you go from, you go from this, this thought of it's my teams, my coaches, my athletic trainers, my athletes to 
everybody. By everybody, I mean like so if if one of someone on your staff gets a kid hurt, you know that's you need to address that. If there's issues with a head coach, you need to address that. If there's issues within your staff in terms of like their well-being, their their growth, their development, so just being responsible for everything is is like of course you know this i'm the director i'm responsible for everything but i do think that's it's really hard to quantify it's really hard to prepare yourself for and so um you know become director and it's like okay like people are asking you questions people start and you're you're the one to give the answers you know it's easy as an assistant because you have the opinion oh yeah we should be buying this equipment or we should be the salary should be this but when you're the one making the decisions it's it's definitely and it, it affects everyone um or can affect one person more than the other i think that's it's heavy. It was hard. It was hard for me to grasp and um, hard for me to, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. And then it hit like a ton of bricks. You know, I, the second, the second thing for someone who's, who's maybe look up that director role or, or just become a, a director as of recent is, you know, the administrative side of things is it is tough as well. You know, some people in administration just either don't know what you don't know what we do as trained coaches, or they don't understand, or they don't, or their schedules are, are different, or they operate on a whole different system, and they're using Outlook calendars, and I've only used Excel calendars, or whatever. Just there's so many moving parts and pieces, and it kind of goes back to my theme of, of the day, which feels I just kind of lean into that, and I, I found like that if just embracing that as it was actually really beneficial. I think it's given me a, a a really great outlook on on the profession. It's given me a really great outlook on how to work with my staff, how to communicate with my staff, because I'm hearing both sides of the conversation. And so, you know, moving that information back and forth, either complaints or concerns or comments from my staff up to administration and then back down, I think is, um, you know, in deciphering what's meaningful and what isn't, I think is a really good skill to have. Um, but yeah, the administration side of time management, I mean, all of a sudden you go from, oh, my, my team's lift at three, four and five or, you know, seven, eight, nine and, and five PM or whatever. But now it's like, oh, my team's of seven, eight, nine. I me have a meeting from nine to ten, and then ten to eleven, and then another one at one to two, and then my team lifts from two to three, practice three to six. Oh wow, the day gets away from me. You know what I mean? So the time management side is definitely definitely a huge component. If you could pick up the phone and call Tyler Friedrich from five years ago, what would you tell him? Wow, that's this is deep. Um, I would five years ago. So what year was that? 2015. I would tell myself to relax, relax a little bit. Um, I think there was, this is back when I was working football and Olympic sports and a lot of anxiety, to be honest with you. And I I think a lot of pressure on myself to perform and a lot of pressure on myself to achieve and a lot of pressure myself to move up. And, and, you know, maybe that's because of the football world. You know, I think that there's that, that pressure is just kind of a part of it, but I would tell myself to relax a little bit, like take the time, especially with the Olympic sports, even with the football guys to, to get to know them better. You don't have to treat everybody like a football player. Um, you can, you can drop your guard a little bit. And, and I think I would, I would really tell myself is like prioritize relationships with your head coaches and athletic trainers. And it wasn't that I deprioritized those. It wasn't that I didn't have good relationship, but it just was coach was coach. You know, I talked to them, you know, a couple times a year and got to practice a couple times. So we had a good relationship, but it wasn't close, you know? And, and I think my role within those teams was as such, it was good, but it wasn't a very big role. And same thing with athletic training. Like we got along and we worked together on things, but it wasn't very close. And so I think it was as such like, Hey, so we were all kind of in our own separate lane, athletic training, sports performance and, and, and the coaches and, 
Um, which at times, like, you know, we're all on the same highway, you know, we're all, we can all be in our own lane, but there are times that we got to merge together, you know, you know, for, for the sake of a student athlete or the sake of performance or whatever it is. And so I would go back and tell myself, you know, take, take that time to spend more time with your coaches, spend more time with your trainers and, and it's going to, in the long run, it's going to be way more beneficial for you personally, selfishly, but also for the, the product we're giving our student athletes. No, absolutely. That that's that's great. What what's next for Coach Friedrich? You know, I know we're all in kind of a COVID limbo right now, but you know, once this all ends, or what's what's something you're looking forward to in in the future coming up here? I'm really ready to get our teams back, get them competing again. I mean, uh, like everybody else, or maybe not like everybody else, we've been kind of in and out of. We're coming back. No, we're not. We're having a season. No, we're not. We're coming back on this date. Wait, never mind. It's it's this date. You know, and so a lot of back and forth. So I'm really looking, you know, in short term, I'm really looking forward to having our teams back, having them compete. You know, I think that Stanford as a whole, a lot of our teams are primed or, or were primed to have a really good seasons. And so I think I was really looking forward to the 2020-2021 year to, to see how, how we would do, you know, across the board. I, I think now, like, that, that gets the whole true in the spring, winter and spring of 2021, but also, um, you know, as we get to fall of 2021. So I think that's probably, you know, post COVID what I'm most looking forward to is getting, getting everybody back. Um, you know, we've been training outside since June. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to being in a weight room. Um, that'd be nice. You know, things, you things you miss, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but long-term, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, Stanford's a great place to work and, and Stanford is a, you know, I think that there's, there's work to be done. And so um, I think my, my staff and I, like we have worked, we, we have a lot of work to do and I think we can all be better. And I think we can expand. And I think we're just on everything we're doing. It feels like, you know, we've made so much progress, but I also feel like we're just, we just scratched the surface. So we really want to dive into a lot of what we're doing, whether it be, I think the biggest, the, mo- the lowest hanging fruit is probably our sports science and technology integration and things like that. But I think there's more work to be done. So I'm really looking forward to uh, looking forward to the future for sure. Absolutely. And do you have any social media shout out or any way our listeners could you know ask you any follow up questions or see what you guys got going on at Stanford? Yeah. So we we have a, a an Instagram account. I think it's Stanford Sports Performance is our Instagram account. I have an Instagram account. It's my last name Friedrich T one. It's mostly pictures of my two kids, um, but I, I do go through phases where we're posting a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we're doing with volleyball and rowing and things like that. So if you want to check out and little blurbs and things like that, I'm also on Twitter, uh, tfried75, tfriedes75. But if anybody wants, wants to email me, my email is on the website. Like the, anyone can email me the Go Stanford website. Um, I will respond back. I promise. You know, that's one thing that I take a lot of pride in is, is responding back to everyone who emails me with a question about anything, how to get in the field programming, whatever it is. Like I will, I will respond. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to reach out they, they are more than welcome. Absolutely. Hey coach, I wanted to say thank you for you know joining us on, on the podcast today. A, a lot of great advice and, you know, you're very candid. Like I said, I don't like romanticizing what we do. So I yeah. appreciate you <laughs> telling it how it is just so, you know, all the other coaches listening in, they can know, you know, what really takes it in. I mean, Hey, you can do some free sports science stuff, get to the low hanging fruit right there and, and, and 
make it really effective to anything to, you know, it's going to take some time. You have to do a lot of data entry, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I, I think our listeners are, are going to get a lot from everything you brought to the table today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.